and welcome to another great message from Mr. Christian Outreach Church. We pray you'll be inspired and equipped by this teaching. For more information on Noosa Christian Outreach Church, please check out our website at noosacoc.org.au. Enjoy. Today I want to talk a little bit about getting unstuck. I don't know about you, have you ever been stuck? Some of you are stuck now, some of you need to get unstuck. And uh, you know, in, a, in a previous life, uh, when I was, I was um, in, my, in my 20s and teens, uh, a big thing that we would do is we would go to Bucks parties. And uh, now I'm too old, no, no people who get married invite me to Bucks parties anymore. And we would do some crazy stuff. Anyway, we were from this little town called Esperance. Jamie, Jamie was at this event. And there, one of the guys had this six-wheel, four-wheel drive truck. You, you know the story. Anyway, we're doing all this crazy stuff and we're, and, um, you know, we're, we're, we're really doing a number on the guy getting married. Anyway, this, we're, we're camping on the beach, you know, 100 kilometres out of town and there's this little creek running and this truck just parks next to this creek and uh, the creek's probably 10 metres wide and, and, and uh, over time, he's just parked there the tr- because the truck was so heavy, it just, it just gradually started seeping into the water. And uh, it was stuck beyond anything you would ever dream. And this truck could go anywhere. He would just run over trees, run over anything that was in his way. But a little bit of water did it in. And uh, we, had, we had ropes. We had one rope in front of it tied onto one car. We had snatch em straps pulling it sideways so it didn't fall into the water. We had guys pulling and pushing from every different angle trying to get this thing unstuck, and we, and which we eventually did. And what a celebration we had after that because... Uh, I think the guys driving it didn't own it. It was his boss's. It was his boss's truck, and uh, but we all know what that's like, don't we? We all know what it's like to be stuck in life. And uh, I, I want to suggest to you one of the main ways that we think we're stuck is when we have limited resources in life. You know, we're, we're limited in our resources. You know, if you talk to to Declan and the lighting crew, they're saying, "Look, we just do not have enough lights." and fog and resources to really make this thing pop on a Sunday. And uh, some of it, you preach, exactly. You know, but, but the, the problem is, is when, when, you're, when you're thinking, when you're stuck based on resources, that's a never-ending journey. Hey, it's a never-ending journey. Sometimes you're, you know, you're stuck with your, when you're 17, or when you're 16, you're stuck on your push bike and you can only go 30 k's an hour. But when, you know, you need to transition and get unstuck so you can get a car and you can up the speed. And when you get that first car, where's the chef? The chef got her license this week. At 22 years old, 21 years old, finally three years later, four years later than everyone else. And she can finally buy the ingredients for the cafe herself instead of us all having to buy them for her. And, but everyone knows this feeling who's, who's got their license is, you know, one of the most liberating times in your life is when you drive for the very first time by yourself. Agreed? Amazing, isn't it? So you, and you don't care if you're driving an old bomb. You don't care what it is. My first car was a 79 TD Gemini. And, uh, you know, it was, a, it, was a, it was a wicked awesome car, as they used to say back then. It was Mintox. And, and, but it wasn't long before that wasn't enough anymore. 
My re- you know, even though it got me from A to B, I was, I was feeling limited. I was feeling stuck. One of my friends bought a cool car, and all of a sudden, my car was very substandard. And even though just a year before, I was completely free, driving that the most free I'd ever felt in my life, now I felt stuck by what yesterday made me feel free. You might be, you know, and then you get your next car. And all, I, I had this, this beautiful Holden Ute, you know, that I, that I won a, uh, the best Ute in, in our hometown competition. And I was the, one of the cool cats. It's, it's how I won Kristen into my world. And, uh, and yet it didn't have air conditioning. So all of a sudden I thought, oh my gosh, I'm stuck in this car. You know, I got the girl, but now we're sweating in the car as we drive along. I'm stuck. I need better resources. So then we bought something else. You know, I bought a Commodore Ute. You know, and if you've been to our place, you've seen this beautiful wedding. My favourite wedding photo is me sitting in my V8 Commodore Ute with my hand hanging out the window, Kristen standing there in a beautiful wedding gown, and I'm bagging up the back wheels, and there's smoke billowing off there, off the back, and... and uh, and our, and our small town actually posted that photo in the paper the next week of me breaking the law, and it went in the paper. See, we can always, we're always stuck when we're thinking of resources. You know, so, so I just want to suggest to you this morning that it's, it, you're never going to get unstuck if that's your measuring tool. Because what you appreciated yesterday is limiting you tomorrow. What you, you know, if I only just get to this point, if I only just can own my house, if I can only just go on a holiday, if I can only just do this or just do that or just buy a new entertainment system or just get some more lights for the church or Jamie can only just get another pedal to add to his 11,000 pedals on his, on his thing there or I can just get another guitar, you know, I'll be free. But then you get there. And then you realise, now Jamie's got the two greatest guitars in the world. He's got, a, he's got a Fender Stratocaster here and he's got a Fender Telecaster as backup sitting at home. But now he's going to Nashville later in the year and he wants to buy a gold top Les Paul. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. It never ends, does it? It never ends. What resources in your life are limiting you? What about your life makes you, feel un- makes you feel stuck right now that you want to get unstuck out of? I want to suggest to you that the reality being, of being stuck is more about asking the right questions than it is about getting answers to your current questions. You see, probably the most common, common, common question on the planet is, how can I improve my situation? I want to improve my situation. Hey, my relationships, my relationships are struggling. My financial situation is struggling. My, 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 the town I'm living is struggling. You know, you know, everything, you know, everything about my situation makes me ask the question, how can I improve my situation? And, you know, and it becomes then, if we take that into the church, our, que- our question of God becomes, becomes the same question, doesn't it? We say things like, God, can you help me improve my situation? This is what, and, and it's a very common natural question that we all ask. And even God, you know, it says in the Bible, you have not because you ask not. So it's, I'm not saying that it's bad, but I'm saying if that is our measure of life, if improving, improving our situation is the measure of our life, we will always be stuck because what liberated you yesterday will be, will be blocking you tomorrow. 
It's one of my favourite pieces of history is the story of in Acts chapter 16, starting at verse 20. Why don't you turn with me there? I've got it up on the screen if you, if you, uh, if you haven't brought your Bible this morning. Verse 20. So, so Paul and Silas, they're cruising around and, and causing trouble, talking about Jesus, disrupting people, disrupting the Jews, upsetting, upsetting people with this um, message of peace and love of Christ. And uh, so the people who were upset brought them to the magistrates and said, These men, being Jews, exceedingly trouble our city. And they teach customs which are not lawful for us, being Romans, to receive or observe. Then the multitude rose up together against them, and the magistrates tore off their clothes and commanded them to be beaten with rods. And when they had laid many stripes on them, they threw them into prison, commanding the jailer to keep them securely. Having received such a charge, he put them into the inner prison and fastened their feet in stocks. Verse 25. But at midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. And the prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken and immediately all the doors were open. Everyone's chains were loosed and the keeper of the prison, awaking from his sleep and seeing the doors open, supposing that the prisoners had fled, drew his sword and was about to kill himself. Wow. But Paul called out with a loud voice saying, Do not harm yourself, for we are all here. Then he called for a light, ran in, fell down trembling before Paul and Silas and he brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? So they said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved, you and your household. Then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all who were in his house. And he took them the same hour of the night, washed their stripes and immediately he and his family were baptised. Wow, what an amazing story. You see, when we ask better questions, we're more likely going to solve our problems that are around those questions. If our question, Paul, you know, Paul and Silas, they weren't asking God to liberate them from prison. They were saying, Lord, how can we lift up your name in this place? How can we, how can we be in your presence while we're in this situation? They weren't even looking at the situation. Hey, they knew that their freedom was not outside of their prison, but their freedom was in their friendship with God. Here's the battle. When, when we are looking to get liberated from our situation and, we, and God liberates us, that doesn't make us free in the big picture. It makes us free only from that situation. God wants us to be free no matter where we are. The Apostle Paul says we must be content with little and we must be content with much. It's, you know, that he didn't, Christ didn't bring the gospel into our, eyes so we, into our lives so we could get much. He brought it into our lives so we could be free no matter whether we had much or little. He wants you to know that you're free no matter what your situation is. You know, we, we, as preachers, we love to tell the story, you know, this, of, you know, they were in the inner part of the prison where it was darker and the chains were thicker. And, you know, we like to make the extreme about how negative their situation was so that when God set them free, it makes it sound truly free. That may be the case, but that's not what we hear about today. You know, we, I just want to let you know that our level of stuckness varies. Hey, sometimes it's simple. Sometimes it's deep. 
Some of you are stuck in ways that only you and God know. Some of your hearts are broken in ways that only you know. Some of you, you know, some of you are stuck in good things. Some of you are stuck in very dark things. Some of you are stuck in attitudes. Some of you are stuck financially. Some of you are stuck relationally. You know, it, it varies and it, it, it ebbs and flows in our lives. And, and we get caught in these situations. And it can, be, it can be anything. It can be relationship, legal, financial, jealousy, rejection. It can be all sorts of things. Stress, anxiety. But, and only you and God truly knows the challenge you're facing right now. Only you and God truly know the challenge. Everyone else sees you on the outside, but only he knows your heart. Only he knows what you're walking through. Only he knows your struggle. And, and this morning, I want, to, I want to bring some suggestions to you on how to get unstuck. I'm not here to help define your challenges. Your challenges are real, and you know what they are. I'm here to remind you that there is a friend that sticks closer than a brother. Proverbs tells us that. Hey, if you're going to be someone's friend, you need to be diligent. But there is a friend that sticks closer than a brother. It's prophet, you know, he's prophetically talking of Jesus. That, you know, is that, and, and as we worship him, we will discover a freedom no matter what the situation is that we're in. Isn't it interesting? Even in the natural, if you're alone in a tough situation, it's very tough. But you can be in that same situation with a good friend, and it's a whole lot easier. Hey. And, and, and you know, what the, what the writer of the Proverbs is saying, he's saying there is a friend who can stick closer than a brother that no matter what the situation is, it won't be easy. It won't even need to define your freedom. It won't need to, the situation you're in doesn't need to define your hope. What defines your hope is who you are with in the situation. You can be in prison. You can be in the dark central place of the prison with the big chains on and you can be free. So your situation doesn't decide your freedom. It's just the backdrop of your mission. We've all got a mission in life. We've all got something to do. When we're in relationship with God, we're doing something. Paul and Silas, you know, they weren't defined by their imprisonedness. They, would, they defined themselves by their relationship with God so that when the doors did get open, they were already free, so they didn't even need to leave. So they stayed. They stayed. Why? Because they knew their mission was there. If they left, that prison warden with his household would never have got saved. See, sometimes when you, do, you don't actually get to see the mission because you're too busy trying to get free from your situation. And I certainly do not want to take any... I don't want to take anything away from the challenging situations that we walk through in life. They are real. They are tough. They are burdensome. What I want to do is I want to actually say, let's this morning put those challenges there and let's look at in, asking a different question. And I want to, you know, what happened when, when, they, when those guys worshipped, their, their problem in the natural got solved, didn't it? But they realised they were so free anyway that they could continue on with the mission anyway. You know, the safest, most freest place that you can be in life is in the will of God. Hey, you can be completely free. You can be completely cashed up and, and have good relationships with another, not know God and you're not free. See, when we understand the whole story, we're less stuck in the immediate. 
You know, uh, King David, before he was officially king, he was anointed as king and running away from Saul. And, and uh, his uh, army, he was gathering an army. And uh, the, uh, I think it's in, in Chronicles somewhere, First Chronicles 12, it talks about uh, all of the different tribes, the, the tribes of Israel and who was with him. And, you know, he talks about the tribe of Judah who were great at, at you know, coming together in war and there were 6,000 of those. And then the, the tribe of Israel, there were 7,000 of those guys on board. And then Levi, there was 4,000. And it goes on and on and on. And then it gets to the sons of Issachar, the tribe of Issachar. And it doesn't talk about how many uh, people there were. It just says, the sons of Issachar had understanding of the times to know what Israel ought to do. Instead, they had 200 chiefs, and then it didn't even mention how many people they were, how many people were following them. Why is that important? Because when you have understanding of the times, when you know what's going on around you, when you see the bigger picture, it's not about how big a force you have behind you. It's not about how, how many assets you have, because it's about wisdom, because you only need to take one step today. You see, I'm worried about turning my Jeep into a Range Rover. But, but, but in reality, all I need to do is get in my Jeep and drive from A to B. God's saying, what's your next step? He's not saying, he's not saying how do you improve your situation? He's saying, what's your next step of faith with me? They had wisdom of the times. Did you know that the times that we live in almost have intentions? The intention of this time is that you'll consume you'll be a consumer everywhere you look someone is selling you something everywhere you look you know you need i don't when i you know when i uh, open up the uh, the the junk mail i just i discover the things i need that i didn't even know existed two minutes before i opened it i need this I need this. And then, you know, then we go about the discussion. You know, and, and we, these are the times. We need to understand the times are trying to convince you that you need things. But in reality, what we need is Christ. Hey, what we need is to get to know God. What we need is to ask different questions. If I just have this thing, then I'm going to be free. If I just get, you know, if I can just get to that position in my organization, I'll be free. You know, I, I was telling a leadership course recently that uh, I was associate pastor here in this church for nearly seven years. And, and then, and I was full of vision. I was full of vigor and full of life. And, you know, I could, I could see what, the, what Mike was doing wrong. And I was, you know, I, was, I knew where he was lacking and all these things. And then he, you know, he, he, then he comes to me and says, oh, I'd like to pass on the, the baton to you. And then, and the day that it passed on, every bit of vision and passion and inspiration just evaporated <laughs> overnight because I was carrying all of you people. No, just kidding. There's a, you know, it's interesting because we think if we just improve our situation in this direction, we will discover freedom. If I've just got a few more dollars in the bank, if I just pay off my mortgage, if I just get a new car, you know, if I just get some new clothes, hey. Last night I was at a, at a 50th birthday party for a little while and it was a, a, a Gatsby dress. Anyway, so I suited up and I drew a beautiful moustache on my face and... Uh, Maybe, I don't know, an hour into the night of chatting with Dwayne and Chris and Chad and Beck, and they, uh, just, they highlighted to me that it had now dribbled down my face. <laughs> and it no longer looked like a moustache, I just looked like I was really dirty. And uh, you see, sometimes we, when we leave home, 
you know, in a state, we think that we're, we're doing okay. You know, it's all looked good in the mirror, everything's perfect. And then you walk out the door and life happens to you and you don't even realise it. Sometimes you're, in, you're stuck and you don't even realise you're stuck until someone reminds you. You see, we need to be playing a different game. We need to raise the bar above consuming. We need to raise the bar above you know, offence. We need to raise the bar above unforgiveness. We need to raise the bar above hating our enemies. And we need to get in relationship with the king of all kings and walk in his freedom. And when we walk in his freedom, we have hope no matter what's happening in the immediate. Let me tell you, in the natural, you do not have what it takes to solve the situation you're in right now. You do not have what it takes, and you cannot think your way to success. You might, you might think it's success, but in, in the short term, that success will just be the next thing to overcome. We need a different level. We need a different hope. We need a different measuring tool, and our measuring tool must be the relationship with God. You see, as you start seeking relationship with God, you know, we begin to realize that, that having no clarity with Him, when we don't have clarity with God, we begin to begin this kind of desperate search for things that will meet our needs for love and for acceptance and for hope and all those things in the natural. And he's saying, no, they're not there. Keep seeking me. Keep seeking me and you'll find clarity in your relationship with me. Keep, keep, keep researching who I am. Keep reading a word. Keep praying. Keep worshipping. It's all about asking better questions. We don't ask God just to help our situation. Yes, we can ask him that. He says, you can ask of me anything. But we need to ask other questions. We need to say, Lord, who are you? Lord, how can I get to know you? How can I hear your word? How can I serve you? What is your will? How can I get closer to you, Lord? These are the right questions. These are the questions that bring liberty. You know, God is faithful. You know, he, he, he can actually deliver you from your situation. You can be delivered from your situation and still not be close to God. He is the great deliverer. He is the great liberator. He is the great freer of you. But if, if you're not in relationship with him, it is only going to last for a very short period of time. Until I seek God for who he is and not what I need, I'll struggle to understand anything about my own life. In Ephesians 4.23, the Apostle Paul challenges us. He says, No longer walk like the Gentiles. No longer walk like the rest of the world in the futility of their mind, but be renewed in the spirit of your mind. And that you put on the new man which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. He says to us, be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Interesting, isn't it? The, we be re, you know, your mind has a spirit. The spirit, you know, the spirit of your mind, your thoughts are not the deepest thing about you. There's something deeper. He's saying, re-renewed in the spirit of your mind. The information that you carry is not about you. And he goes on, you know, it goes on in, in Colossians 2.18 and talks about the mind of the flesh. There's two things. There's something deeper than your thoughts. And there's something and in your body and your senses and your ego... They actually have a mind of their own. The Bible talks about the spirit of your mind and the mind of your flesh. Your spirit has a mind, your, spirit has a, your mind has a spirit and your flesh has a mind of its own. Does your flesh have a mind of its own sometimes? Man, mine's always wanting to do different things. Hey, it's wanting to dance, you know, 
I was, I was at a youth group the other day, right? And uh, I don't know if I told you this, but uh, you know, I was trying to be a cool cat with the young guys. Did I tell you about my basketball experience? You know, I'm playing out with the guys. Bit of a, I was a bit of a basketball legend when I was young, I like to think. Anyway, the ring's a little bit lower, and I'm going, I could dunk this thing. Anyway, I said, I'd cry, maybe a little dunk. And then I go, okay, here we go, reverse dunk. I'm going to come underneath, and I put my hands up and dunk like this. Anyway, as I'm running through, go to go underneath, I crack my head on the upright pole of the, um, of the um, basketball ring, flip over, land on the ground, and then crack my head on the ground as well. And, you know, I thought the youth would have been more sympathetic, but they had a laugh and then got on with whatever they were doing. They did not care. You see, sometimes, you know, your flesh has a mind of its own, doesn't it? But your flesh is not just your body. If it was just my body, my body would have said, there's no way you're going to pull that off. There's this other part of your flesh. Your flesh is not your body. Your flesh is your body. It's all your senses. And then this other three-little-letter word called your ego. Hey, it has a mind of its own. It says, I is the man. So we need to actually understand that our flesh has a mind of its own and be wary of it. Hey, we need, you know, Colossians 2 talks about being wary of it. But there's something deeper than our thoughts as well. There's the spirit of your mind. We need to renew the spirit of your mind. We need to renew it. You know, we talked about... Um, the concept of being renewed, I think that word really actually means to be made young again. The battle with your mind, the spirit of your mind, is, is your mind has seen too many things. It's seen relationships fail. It's seen businesses fail. It's seen churches fail. Or the opposite. It's seen in the natural things done well. It's seen people wealthy. It's seen great cars and great things. And, and, and it, has, it has limited you by experience. And the apostle is telling us, he's saying, you need to renew the spirit of your mind. You need to make the spirit of your mind young again and not be limited by what your eyes have seen. We mentioned a few weeks ago um, Fanny Crosby who wrote something like 8,000 hymns and uh, she, was, she lived through the 1800s of which the average age of, of, the, of people passing away in the 1800s was under 60. Under 60, right? And she lived till she was 90. If you live till you're 90 today, you're probably about five years or six years above the average. If you live till 90 in the 1800s, you're over 30 years above the average person. But you cannot, you cannot write 8,000 hymns. You cannot write 8,000 spiritual songs if you don't love God and if you haven't allowed him to renew your mind. And every time, you know, she, she, she's heard that beautiful tune on the, on the, on the piano and her, her immediate response was, Blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. You know, you, if you, you, you need to renew your mind so that your response to situations is worship and not fear. It's asking, Lord, in this situation, how can I get closer to you? Not how can I deal with the immediate. We need to understand the greater story. Here's where the questions get real. The Bible says we need to renew our mind, renew the spirit of our mind, and watch out for the mind of our flesh. We need to watch out for the mind of the flesh and we need to spend some time renewing the spirit of our mind. And the key is to ask the right question. The renewed spirit asks questions like, how can I get closer to you, Lord? The mind of the flesh asks questions like, how can I get out of this situation and into a better situation? 
Now's the time, church. Now's the time to sift out what's not of value in our lives and action our heart. See, there's some things in your mind that are limiting you right now. You need to action your heart. God is speaking to you through your heart. Some of, you know what it's like when you've got all this information in your mind, but then every now and then God speaks to your heart and you all, all of a sudden have a new love for people. All of a sudden you, you know, you, you work, your, your worship changes in church. I don't know about you, but I was, a, uh, I was back in the, uh, in the late 80s and 90s, maybe the 90s. I uh, went to a couple of nightclubs as an 18-year-old. Some of you re- remember them as discos. And, uh, and some of you uh, before that remember them as dancers. And uh, the mo- modern kids, I don't know what they call them these days, rave parties or I'm not sure. Anyway... We would be there, you know, with a bunch of guys and we'd be, we'd be dancing away, doing our cruisy moves, you know, doing the stuff. And then a great song that we would love would come on, right? And the whole place would erupt when a song would come on. Hey, be like Summer of 69 by Brian Adams or, you know, Living on a Prayer. Or, you know, something would come on and, and the whole place would erupt and everyone in the whole nightclub would chant this song together louder than the stereo. And I think, isn't it interesting that we love to worship? Hey, we love to come together as a bunch of people and sing. Hey, it's natural. God created us to do that. Whether you're saved or whether you're unsaved, the, sing, the things are the same. What, you know, is, why, are you, why are we more likely to dance when, when um, you know, Brian Adams is on than we are when, when, um, when some worship music is on? Why? Because we need to allow the spirit of our minds to be renewed. You see, we've got some thinking that when the groovy 80s music's on, we know we've got our moves happening and we're doing our thing and, and off we go. But God's saying, hey, if you renew the spirit of your mind, when you're standing here and Jamie and Greg are knocking them out of the park like they were this morning, just, just creating an atmosphere, man, get your groove on. Get your renewed spiritual mind groove on and love God, not with just your voice, you know, not, with just, not with just your eyes, but, but with all of you. Hey, worship the Lord with all that you are. Bring it to the table. Engage him with all that you are. And you cannot do that unless what's in your mind drops into your heart. We need to renew the spirit of our mind. Sometimes we need to chuck out, unlearn some old things and start learning some new things. Sometimes we need to go from the back seat to the front seat and just open our, open our heart up to worship. Don't worry about the people behind you that are, that are you know, like pillars of salt. Don't worry about them. You don't worry about them when you're sitting in the front row. You've got this great big space and off you go. You're free. All you got is just, you know, I just try to intimidate the worship leaders just by, you know, getting really close to them and having and interacting. Have some fun with God. See, Paul and Silas are worshipping God and he arranges freedom in the natural, yet they remain in prison. Why? Because they know that they're already free and that God will bless the life of the jailer if they stay. You see, some of you are trying to get free from a situation, but it is in that situation that God wants to use you right now. So you, what you need to understand is your freedom is not defined by your situation. Your mission is defined by your situation. Your freedom is defined by your relationship with the living God. So now the challenge. It's going to take some time. Why? Why? Because you're building a relationship, not looking for a solution. This is the key. 
This is the key of focus. This is the key of asking the right questions. We're not looking for solutions anymore. We're building relationships. When you're looking for solutions, you judge people, you judge places, you judge jobs, you judge churches, you judge houses, you judge cars based on how well they provide a solution to your problem. When you're looking to build relationships, everything changes. But they take time. They take time. Relationships take time. And the, 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 the greatest relationship of all in your life takes time. Spending time with God. You know, we did day after day, you know, time after time. If I ever, you know, if, if I, here's the thing. If your relationship with God is like a marriage, you know, if I'm married to Kristen, but we live in different houses and we just catch up once a week, how close are we going to get? Or if the only interaction I have with Kristen is through someone else, Hey, if I'm hanging out, I'm hanging out with um, with Caitlin, and she's telling me how amazing Kristen is. You know, that, if that's the limit of my relationship with with her, then it's not going to be strong, is it? It's not a great relationship. I need to be talking directly with her. I need to be holding hands and walking down the river and thinking about you know the the the, the magnificent life we can live together, dreaming about adventures that we can have with each other, dreaming about places we can go, people we can meet, you know, things that we can create together. We need to spend time with God. And how do we do it? We do it by following. I love Jesus. He's Jesus by the Sea of Galilee. Notice some boats, sees some guys. He says, Simon Peter, James, Simon Peter, James, and John. He says, simple two words follow me. Follow me. So they left their boats and followed him. Jesus saw a tax collector sitting at his booth. He said, Follow him. So Levi rose left everything that he had and followed him. It's the same today. Spirit of God is hovering. Spirit of God's hovering and he's tapping someone on the shoulder. Taps him on the shoulder and says, hey, follow me. Spirit of God's hovering in your life. He's tapping you on the shoulder. He's saying, follow me. So today we choose to follow with new questions. Where are you headed, Lord? How can I follow closer, Lord? How can I get involved with your mission, Lord? These aren't easy questions to ask because the immediate dominates our discussions, doesn't it? The immediate dominates our attention. Some of the challenges that are in front of us are serious challenges. Thankfully, God blessed us with brothers and sisters. Thankfully, God blessed us that no matter where we are, there's the family of God who can encourage us, who can speak into our lives, who can say, hey, let's just fix our eyes on Jesus again. Let's keep following him, his ways, his hope, his truth. Let's give him glory. Let's give him the praise. And as we do that, we'll get closer to him and we will belittle our problems and we belittle our situations so that they are small enough that we don't need to solve them, that we can just step over them. See, sometimes we need to get bigger than our situation, but we can only do that when we partner with God, when we're in relationship with God. Why don't you stand with me this morning? Let's pray together. Lord, we hear you when you say, follow me. We hear you loud and clear this morning asking us to follow you. Lord, we thank you, Father, that your grace, that your hope, that your call, and that your friendship is available to us all. 
Father, we just want to follow you closely. We ask these questions of you this morning, Lord. We say, Lord, how can we get closer to you? How can we know you more deeply? Lord, how can, we bring, how can my life bring you glory? How can your hope, Lord, be visible in my life? Lord, we want to ask questions that get us closer to you, that lift us, lift us in our attitude above our situations, Lord. Father, I just ask that you just touch the hearts and the lives of every person in this house this morning. I ask for fresh peace. Lord, I ask for fresh inspiration. Lord, I ask that your spirit, as, who is, which is hovering, would tap us on the shoulder today and say, follow me afresh. Choose me afresh. Choose me today, says the Holy Spirit. Choose, choose to follow my leading and I will lead you into all freedom and all truth and in all hope. And for those situations, Lord, that, that seem too difficult to get through, those, see, you know, those prisons that are holding us, those things that are holding us, Father, we surrender them to you this morning. We surrender our situations to you this morning. We ask, Father, that you would have your way. But no matter how you set us free, Lord, we want to be on mission with you and we want to give you glory and praise. We want to worship you, Lord. Lord, we want, to, we want to turn our mourning into dancing. We want to see these shackles not hold us back from worshiping, Father. We want to just be free to acknowledge your greatness today. Thank you, Father, in the mighty name of Jesus. Now, church, we're going to... We're going to worship him now. And I uh, just want to encourage you this morning that, that there's always fresh hope. God's mercies are new every morning. His grace is sufficient. And you, should, you know, some, some of you may, may, may not be saved. You may not know Christ as your saviour. You know, if when I look around and all these Christians, I go, man, Christians are weird. Hey, they're, they're weird, but they're free. They, live, they kind of live a bit quirky. They're not as obsessed by things as everyone else is. But man, they walk in free. They walk in, they walk in freedom and hope. It looks weird because their hope is not from this place. But you can have this hope. If you don't know Christ as your saviour, you can have this hope in your life. You can walk in freedom. You can walk in hope and truth. You know, he wants, God wants to have a relationship with you. You know, there's problems that are going to get solved along the way, but the key thing is, is he's, he sent his son not to solve our problems, but so that we could be in relationship with him for eternal life. Each Sunday, we open, we open the front of the church for prayer. I want to encourage you as a church, do not miss the opportunity to have someone who loves you, someone who cares about this community, to lay hands on you and pray for you. If you don't know Christ as your saviour, I encourage you to come this morning and we can just talk to you about him. We can introduce you to him. We can, we can you know, he's, he said it simply. You believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that he is Lord and God rose him from the dead. That's the simplicity of it. If that's you this morning, come. If you want prayer, if you want, if you want to walk in, in his liberty, if you want to start asking better questions, why don't you come this morning? We've got a team. We'd love to pray with you. Love to love to speak into your life and encourage you and declare a new hope over this day for you. So as we worship, let's give God all the glory. Let's give him the praise. Father, we thank you for your hope. We thank you for your love. We thank you for your goodness. And we remind ourselves afresh that it is you that is on the throne and only you are worthy of all our praise. So as we worship, we worship with all our hearts. 
with all our soul, with all our spirit, with all our strength, Lord. We give you our worship and our praise. Let's sing, church.